That's Jaden, uh, our youth and young adults pastor. Him and uh, Narita do an amazing job. And uh, yep, pick a face. Maybe one of those jumped out at you. Grab a hold of them and uh, pray for them. Pray for their leadership journey. And there's others that will come through. Well, this morning we, we head towards Easter, an amazing time where we get to celebrate together what Jesus did for us. And uh, we're in the middle of a series called The Battle of the Hill. Uh, Pete shared last week the mountaintop moments are very significant in Scripture. They're the moments where people connected with God, they had an encounter with God, they experienced God's presence. Uh, this Easter, we're looking at the battles that Jesus fought on and around the Mount of Olives. He fought the battles so that we would one day be able to fight those same battles ourselves. Come on, how many people are glad that God has gone before us? He's fought the battles that one day, well, actually, we're fighting them today, aren't we? In the first week, we looked at the battle for our worship. We're all worshiping someone or something, aren't we? We're given our attention. We're given our focus to something or someone. And Jesus fought the battle for our worship, and we have to fight that same battle as well. We need to surrender our lives, offer our lives as living sacrifices to God. And last week, Pete looked at the battle of our will, where Jesus said to God the Father, I don't really want to go to the cross. You know, if it was my choice, I wouldn't, but I'm not, it's not about my choice. It's not about my will. It's about your will being done, God. And so he chose the cross for the passion that was set before him. And that passion is you. It's me. That's the passion that Jesus lived his life for and his will was determined to do what his father asked him. So this morning we're looking at a moment where Jesus uttered words from the cross, words that have brought freedom to countless billions of people. From that moment he spoke those words to now, today, even today someone's going to find freedom because of those words that Jesus spoke all of those years ago. So let's read together in Luke chapter 23, verses 33 to 43. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence... We are punished justly. We are getting what we deserve. But this man, he has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Would you pray with me this morning as we look at the whole heart of forgiveness? What does it mean to be forgiven? What does it mean to forgive others? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross so that the sins that we should have paid for would be paid for once and for all through Jesus' sacrifice. God, to be forgiven is the most glorious thing. It's the most freeing thing we can experience. And God, I pray that even today people would receive your forgiveness. Even those of us that don't feel like we're worthy of forgiveness, that your grace would wash over us today, that we would receive that grace and that we would receive your forgiveness. Lord, that we would have the power through your Holy Spirit to be able to forgive others. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many people learn a lot from their kids? You go through life and your kids, they teach you a lot of things. I, I, I learn so much from my kids. I learn compassion. I learn, I learn love. I, I, I learn just to not take things too seriously. My, my boy Josiah, he goes up to Rosie. So, so Josiah's six, Rosie's just turned ten. She's got this big fluffy jacket on last Sunday. He goes up and wraps her, his arms around her and gives her a great big cuddle. Rosie's looking at me with this, Dad, what's going on, kind of look. And I say, Jay, why would you give her a hug? He says, it was just so fluffy. I'm like, you're going to get yourself in trouble later on, mate. But my kids, they remind me that, that actually in their hearts, there is good. You know, there's some bad, but there's, there's good. They, they actually want to love. They want to serve. There's a compassion that's inside of them that, that wants to reach out to others and help other people. Amy and I, we've been talking about it. We need to include our children in the journey of reaching, serving, and influencing our community. Just last week, it was so cool. The worship team were up here practicing, and, and I came in, and um, my three kids and uh, my sister's three kids, they, they were just they were putting out all the Connect cards. You know, all, all the J. John flyers, uh, lining them up in meticulous fashion would have made her mama proud, you know, but even our little three-year-old. And these kids, they get to be a part of reaching, serving, and influencing. We don't, we don't have to wait for them to grow up, as we've seen in the leadership pathway. These young ones have got what it takes already. And I love our young people. My kids all also remind me of what is right and wrong. I've been told by my daughter once to go and apologize to Amy because I spoke badly to her. I did. I listened and I went and apologized to Amy and then I went and apologized to my daughter for not speaking to Amy right. I also have a, a, a keeper of the rules. Josiah is our keeper of the rules. When I'm driving, he's got his eyes on the road signs. He's got his eyes on the road and he's got his eyes on the speedo. So darting back and forth, Dad, you're one over. You're one over. Slow it down. The other day in the playground, he's tagging on mum's arm. Going, mum, mum, we've got to go, we've got to go. Amy's like, what's the rush? Points to the sign. Playground must be vacated by 3.15. Ma, it's 3.15. Keep the rules. Keep the rules. But rules and boundaries are good. They're good because they allow our kids to understand how to treat one another. I'm thankful for the law because it shows me how I can love and I can treat and I can serve other people. Now, the law in itself is death. But given the life of Christ and the Holy Spirit, the law can come alive. But those laws help us to find boundaries, find us, help us to find the ways of loving and serving one another. As Pete said last week, our children have strong wills. Strong wills are a good thing, right? Because we need to have a strong will. A strong will to be able to fight for somebody else's justice. Strong will to be able to show mercy, to show forgiveness when maybe we don't feel like it. Now, you'll also be glad to know that my kids are far from perfect and they, they have the ability to push each other's buttons. It's like they know each other's buttons very well. It's like if I touch this one, hello, and then up, you know, up it flares. And so we have, we have three rules in our house. Take risks, make mistakes, take responsibility. You've, you've heard me maybe share these before. Now, I often come in on the third rule, the taking responsibility part. So one of them's taking a risk and grab something they shouldn't or push something or poke something or whatever. And I come in on the third one, and I'm the adjudicator. I'm trying to work out who did it. 
You know, sometimes I wish I had a law degree because the arguments and the rebuttals are so convincing. And so at the end, I make a ruling. All right, come on, parents, we make a ruling, don't we, in the end. You were wrong, you were right. And am I, am I hurried to get things sorted? I think it's all over. It's like, right, you forgive, what you forgive and you be forgiven and we'll just get on with it. Because we want to just wrap it up and move on, right? The problem is, it's not an act of their will when I tell them they have to do it. And, and I was having this conversation with my father who also had a strong-willed child. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember a time where I was sobbing through my tears. Oh, I can't talk. I can't say sorry. Now, Dad's logic was pretty sound when he said, well, if you can say I can't talk and I can't say sorry, then you could say sorry. His logic was sound. But, but what my four-year-old brain and heart was trying to say is, I know I can say sorry, but I don't want to because I'm not. Isn't that true? It's like, forgive somebody. I can't and I don't want to because I don't want to forgive them. When it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness is an act of our will. Saying, I choose to. I remember somebody came to me. I was having this conversation and right out of the blue, they said, 18 months ago, you did this to me. I went, wow. I, com- I, I, I completely missed them. My fault completely. No blame on them whatsoever. I completely missed them unintentionally. And I I said, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. They said, I have forgiven you. I'm feeling that love. I'm feeling that forgiveness. See, I can say I forgive you, but in my heart, I still harbor that pain and I still harbor that hate towards you. God's saying, I want you to move past into a place of forgiveness. Theologian Lewis Smedes writes, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. You know, we can live in a state of unforgiveness and and we get upset and offended at somebody, but actually the pain that's going on is inside our own heart. We're actually locked up in prison ourselves. And why is it that forgiveness is so difficult? Because we've been hurt. We've been hurt emotionally, physically. We're disappointed. We, we feel like we've been abused. We feel like, you know, somebody's just ripped our heart out. And so to forgive somebody is so difficult. It's something that I can't do in my own strength, which is why I'm so thankful that Jesus fought the battle of forgiveness on the mount, that he hung on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive those who have hurt me. I want to forgive them. But I want to live a life like Jesus lived, where I would receive his forgiveness and also be able to forgive other people. As a father, I've gone through the journey of being forgiven. I've gone through the journey of forgiving others who have deeply hurt me, where I I, I wanted the worst for them. I might have even prayed death for them. I was so hurt, so angry, felt so betrayed. And everything in my heart didn't want to forgive, and yet God moved me to a place of forgiveness. And gradually that pain began to disappear. Now it's important to understand that forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. And let me just explain that. Forgetting would imply that I set myself up to be hurt again. Just let the same old thing happen time and time again. Forgiveness is not forgetting. 
Forgiveness is not denying that evil was done to us. Forgiveness is not excusing sinful or even criminal behavior. Forgiveness is not pretending it didn't happen or that you weren't hurt by it. Forgiveness is not removing consequences for the wrong behavior or condoning evil or abuse. Forgiveness is also not letting others continually abuse you. If you find yourself in that place where you are finding yourself being constantly abused, seek help. Talk to someone about it. Find that place where you can be safe emotionally and physically. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I heard someone once say, you know, forgive your enemies and remember their names. Because you know what? We can learn from the things that have happened to us and protect ourselves so that it doesn't happen again or put ourselves in a different situation. But why is forgiveness so important to God? Why did Jesus say, Father, forgive them on the cross? Because as Jesus looked down from the cross, he saw a scene that broke his heart. He saw a couple of soldiers rolling dice to see who would win his clothing. They had no idea that on the cross hung the Son of God. They had no idea. They were just doing their job like they always did, crucifying people. They deserve to die. They're going to die. What about the crowd that had cried out, crucify They didn't really know what they were doing. They just kind of got caught up in the swell of the emotion. It's like, okay, I'll just cry crucify as well. I'll join the crowd. They didn't know what they were doing. What about the soldiers that that beat him, tore his beard and whipped him? Did they really know what was going on? Did they know that Jesus was innocent? I don't think they did. What about the disciples that turned and ran? We're with you forever, Jesus. Let's get out of here. That was the response of his disciples. And Jesus hung on the cross, seeing all of that, experiencing all of that. And his choice, an act of his own free will was, Father, forgive them. He extended forgiveness from his heart. Yet surrounded by people who are not worthy, Jesus chooses to pray for them, forgive them, in an unmatched act of mercy and love. And here's why Jesus went through it all. Because no bitterness, no offense, no seeking of revenge in his heart. It wasn't in him. It was a heart of compassion and forgiveness. Today, you and I need to be forgiven. We need to get the power, gain the power, the ability to be able to forgive others. It is community transforming when forgiveness takes place in our hearts. Repentance that leads to forgiveness can only come as an act of our free will. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. And it was a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah 53, 12. He bore the sin of many and made intercession, intercession for the transgressors. I like to think of it this way. Jesus intercepted death's advance. He interceded. He he got in between the advance of death and he says, no, death, you don't have that power. I'm stopping it right now because I'm forgiving so you can't advance. That's the power of forgiveness. Removing the judgment over somebody else. 
today, risen and glorified. Jesus remains, as we're told in 1 Timothy, one mediator between God and mankind. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. This wasn't a one-time sentence. This was a, a, a culmination of a whole lot of teaching throughout his lifetime and his ministry. Dozens of times Jesus talked about forgiving one another, gave examples of how you could forgive somebody when they have wronged you. And there's two powerful truths that we can learn from the forgiveness offered by Jesus on the cross. Number one, Jesus forgave so I could be forgiven. Jesus forgave so I could be forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Another version says, He who was without sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. He took on the punishment that we deserved. The Bible's very clear. There is no one righteous, not one person. No good act that I do is going to be enough. I can't tick enough boxes to be right with God. And I can spend all of my lifetime trying to be right with God, and it's not good enough. The Bible says that all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags or dirty grave clothes. They count for nothing. And yet forgiveness brings freedom to our hearts. Ephesians 1.7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Uh, the price for our life was paid through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Nothing I can do to make things right with God. We'll be able to, 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 to make things the way they should be. Only through forgiveness can my debt be forgiven. Second thought is that Jesus forgave so that I could forgive others. If the team can come this morning, it says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. It's one thing to be forgiven, and I, I, I think that's a wonderful and a glorious thing, and we all need to be forgiven. And we've got to get past our pride to ask for forgiveness. And at that point of forgiveness, our heart is free. But the greatest power, I believe, is when we have the ability to forgive someone who's wronged us. What a moment that is in their life and our life. And Jesus tells a powerful story in Matthew 18. He tells the story of a man who he had accumulated 20 years' salary worth of debt. You think of your own salary times 20. And that's the debt that he had. His master comes and says, I want that money back. The man pleads for mercy. He says, I don't have it, but give me some time and I'll, I'll, I'll make things right. The master, probably realizing he would never be able to do that, shows an unbelievable act of kindness and mercy. He says, you know that debt? <laughs> I'm erasing it. It's gone. You don't even have to pay it back. It's gone. The debt is gone. That man was free. He was free. And he walks out the door to celebrate his freedom and he sees someone who owes him one day salary. Just one day salary. Remember, he's had it all wiped and he comes up against somebody who owes him nothing in comparison. 
And he grabs them and he shakes them. And he says, give me my money. The man says, I don't have the money, but give me time. Show me some mercy and I'll pay you back. What a moment that could have been. What a moment that could have been. But instead he says, no, you're into prison. You got to pay me back. Now word got back to the master of this unmerciful servant. Could have forgiven, but chose not to. And he calls him back in. He says, I forgave your debt and you didn't forgive the debt of somebody else's. You're in prison. And you're not out until you pay it back. Now, how many people know it's hard to make money in prison? Well, maybe not so hard, I don't know. But you shouldn't be able to make money in prison, right? (laughs) He was in. He was in for all eternity. Now, what would have happened if in that moment where he saw that guy that owed him 50 bucks, please give me some time. You know what? Man, I've just been forgiven a massive debt. You're forgiven. In fact, why don't I take you out for lunch? Come on, what would have happened in that moment if that guy, forgiven 50 bucks, went out and remembered somebody owed him 20 bucks and he forgave that person? See, there is something in the power of forgiveness that unlocks a community. When we have the power to move past the pain, not forget it, but move past it and say, God, it hurt me but I'm going to release that person from the offense that I carry in my heart. God can work incredible miracles in our midst. But we can't do it without the power of God in our lives. It's just not possible. Right now in this moment, I want us all to take a moment to just close our eyes, just to focus on God and and ask God a simple question. God, is there anyone in my heart I hold unforgiveness towards. Gosh, some of you might even have unforgiveness towards me. But it's the reality. There's got to be someone's angry with me. Why don't you ask God now for, for His grace, for the mercy that He showed to you, that you would be able to extend that mercy to someone else. Holy Spirit, just speak to us. You're so kind and gentle in the way you speak to our hearts. And we're listening now to hear what you're saying. Somebody here that's been ripped off in business. God's asking you to forgive that person. He's saying, trust me with justice. somebody holding on to things in their marriage from the past things your partner, your spouse has actually asked you to forgive them for and in an argument in the heat of a moment you're going back to those things that took place God's asking you to not go there anymore but to forgive Jesus as you hung on the cross He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Lord, for the things we don't know that we're doing, for the things we do know what we're doing, please forgive us.
then in turn would we be able to forgive others so that grace and mercy and forgiveness would extend out into our community. Lord, that our act of forgiveness would, would, would trigger a response in others to forgive others' debts. That we would be known as a group of people who walk in right relationship with you and walk in right relationship with others. A friend, you might be here wondering even why you're in church. Maybe you've been dragged by a friend. Maybe you just walked in and you don't even know why you're here. But today, God set up an appointment for you to be here. And well done for turning up. Because I really believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. It's so simple. We are one prayer, just one prayer away from being right with God. It's a surrendering of our will and saying, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me from my old way of living. I choose to follow you. This morning, I want to pray a prayer of salvation for those that have been away from God, far from God. Those that have never made a decision to follow Christ or maybe you've been away from Him and God is saying, time to come home. If you would offer this prayer of repentance, which means to turn from your old way of living and begin to trust and follow God. The Bible tells us God forgives our sins. He separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. He throws our sins into a sea of forgetfulness. It's like he puts this big sign up that says, don't go fishing there. Don't go pull it up because I'm not pulling it up. So maybe today you're ready to surrender your life to God, to receive his forgiveness, ask for his forgiveness. Would you do that today? We're all going to pray this prayer together as a family. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgave me of all of my sins. I turn from my old way of living. I choose to follow you. Thank you for your gift of salvation. I receive it today. Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer maybe for the first time or maybe you've, you've been away from God and God's drawn you home and you pray that prayer and something's changing, something's changed inside of you and praying that prayer. We want to know who you are. We want to connect with you. We don't want you to do this journey alone. You're not meant to. Join a community of people that believe in you. We'll walk the journey with you. If that's you with every head bowed, eye closed, would you do something and just slip your hand up and say, that's me, I prayed that prayer. Thank you. Thank you, man. Anyone else? Anyone else this morning? Saying I pray that prayer for the first time. Maybe coming back to God, having been away.